What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150, thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. So we, we don't, don't have to stop. Don't you cry no more. And they told us in the control room <laughs> to stop singing. All we are is... Dust in the wind, Mike. Oh, yeah, baby. We're like, I don't know what we're like. We're two guys that have horrible voices, but we uh, like to sing. I don't know what we do, uh, but that's what happens during commercial breaks or on na- live TV. I am Chris Sims. That is Mike Florio. It's a PFTPM unbuttoned collaboration. It's our usual Thursday picks podcast. Okay. What's up, Michael? How you doing, man? Well, I, I'm doing well. I was doing well until I saw that uh, th- there there has been a mischaracterization of my punctuality because somebody put on Twitter at 10.01 a photo of me not in the chair and you were in the chair. And I just want the record to be clear here. Yeah, right. Stop it. Right. Matt Casey told me at 10 till 10 that you just pulled in so I have some extra time. Oh. So I wasn't in the chair at 10.01. I would have been in the chair at 10 o'clock sharp if I'd been informed that you would be in the chair and ready to go. And for the further clarity of the record, please, you please. sat in that chair for 20 minutes until you were ready to go. I, I did sit here for a while uh, waiting for you. I mean, but I was here, you know, ready to go, 10 o'clock. I'm sorry. I you weren't what, ready to go. I don't know what You Matt had to Casey make all your doing. picks. No, I made you my picks. You didn't make any of your you were sitting there studying with your earpiece out, and you delayed, and you still yes. can't figure out what to do in some of these games. No, I you're, made you're my picks. I was just writing them down from my phone to the notepad, so I didn't sit here looking at my phone because I had it all on there, my scores, my picks of the games, and I still, yeah, we're supposed to do our best bets prior. I don't know what they're going to be because I need to talk this crap out. So speaking of crap, okay, last week um, I was 9-7 and seven, straight up. Six, nine, and one against the spread. But if you went with me and you wanted to bet money, which is the point of this, uh, best bets that won, Dallas and Detroit. New England lost, I mean, because of the fucking punt returner and the backup quarterback. <laughs> Motherfuckers, what are you doing? You're fucking my life Jeez. up. <laughs> we're, we're, in, we're just two minutes in, and there's already been three of them. All right, so, uh, and Florio, Florio, you had a good week, 10-6 and six straight up. You beat me by a game there. You're 8-8 eight and eight against the spread, not bad. And your best bets, you won uh, Dallas, but you lost Seattle and New England. So on the year for best bets, Mike is 3-3. Three and three. I am four and two. You clearly know that you have made more money if you listen to me. Uh, straight up, we are in a dead heat. 27, 20, and one tied. 
Against the spread, you have a comfortable lead. I am 18, 28, and 2. You are 21, 26, and 1. We both suck there, but I wouldn't bet most of these games, so I don't necessarily like the record of those. I only want to, if I'm a better, I'm only picking like one, two, three games I like, and that's it. I'm not betting on every one. So there's that. Does anything else you want to add or clarify? Before no, we get no, into this? no. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. At least you mentioned that I'm ahead of you against the spread, and also uh, beat you last week straight up. I yep. thought you were going to gloss right over that and focus only on best bets. No, nope, so, no. Nope, uh, we're we're good to go. That. We're ready to go. Okay, All good. Right. All right. So let's start it out. Eagles, Packers. First off, any injuries that you want to mention there in that game that you think are worth noting uh, as of right now here Thursday morning? Well, it's important to keep in mind that Alshon Jeffrey, the Eagles receiver, who was out on Sunday, four days later, he's off of the injury report. He's good to go. The calf is healed, and he adds something to that offense that was hurting without him because guys aren't there to catch passes. They're there to drop passes. They're not there to catch passes. Deshaun Jackson is out, but Alshon Jeffrey is in. Also out, Timmy Jernigan, defensive tackle, foot injury. That was expected. Corey Clement running back is questionable. And for the Packers, Zedarius Smith popped up yesterday on the injury report as questionable with a knee injury. So we have to wait basically until 90 minutes before kickoff to see whether or not he's going to play. But Alshon Jeffrey coming back helps the Eagles offense and uh, it may may or may not have influenced my ultimate pick in this game. right, well go ahead. You started off then there, old man wizard. Started off. Who you got? I yeah, thanks. Uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but I'll take the wizard part of it. I actually, and I've gone back and forth on this, yes, and I need have. to put it in context. I'm 0-3 on Thursday night this year, and it's time to get off this schneid. So, I, you know, my impulse was the Packers. So I've decided to go against my impulse and go with the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I can't see the Eagles going to 1-3. and I think they are better than that. And maybe the Packers are a little bit overly inflated at 3-0. and They yeah. should have lost to the Vikings. The Broncos gave them a better game than the final score would indicate. And the Eagles could have beaten the Falcons. They could have beaten and should have beaten the Lions. And now that Alshon Jeffrey's back, Carson Wentz is still healthy. Carson Wentz is the best quarterback the Packers have seen all year. That's right. And, and I think that with three games of Mike Pettin 2019 film for Doug Peterson to to spend some time trying to crack although he didn't have a full week to crack it I think Peterson who is 3 and 0 on short week games during his head coaching career I think Peterson and the Eagles sufficiently desperate to get the win tonight the Packers feeling sufficiently good about where they are that they relax just enough for the Eagles to steal this one so I like the Eagles 24-20 okay so you went back basically to the originally on the show on pro football talk you were leaning Eagles and then as we had conversations through the week I think maybe me and just some of the elements surrounding the injury situation, you kind of talked yourself off of the Eagles, but now you've talked yourself back onto it. I like it, okay? First off, uh, I'm no better on Thursday Night Football. The underdog has won. They're 3-0 and so far on all three games. Uh, and I, I, of course, went with the Tennessee Titans as you did last week. This is a tough one. I would say this. I wouldn't bet money on this game. I'm just going to clarify that right off the bat. I'm taking the Packers here, 24-21. But I don't feel comfortable about that. I do agree with you. The the Eagles are the ultimate backs-against-the-wall type of football team. Yeah, I don't think the Packers are like cream-of-the-crop type football team in the NFL right now. Yes, they're 3-0, but I think they're finding their way still on the offensive side of the ball. Desperation's a real thing in the NFL. I've lived it. I've been there. You and I talk about that a lot. The Eagles are going into a game here somewhat desperate. 
You know, I mean, it's they got to start winning football games, certainly, or the NFC East is gone. You could kiss it goodbye with the way Dallas is playing. Um, I do worry. Hey, and also, Chris, yeah, also, right. also, it's not just losing the NFC East. Good luck getting the five seed or the six seed yeah, right. with no what question. the teams in the NFC West and the North are doing. You fall to one and three, your margin for error is down to maybe two losses over the balance of the year. I mean, you got to go 10 and two to make up for a one and three start. All the more reason for them to be desperate. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, they've already lost tiebreakers against the Falcons and the Lions if it comes to that. But you're right. With the NFC West, I mean, right now it looks like the 49ers, Rams, Seahawks are all playoff caliber. And the three teams atop are all four teams in the NFC North look like it. So you're right. It could be tough to find the, uh, the right way to get in that 5-6 spot. I do worry about this. I do worry uh, if the Eagles decide they decide to worry about the run game a little too much, Matt LaFleur, that they leave too many one-on-one opportunities for Aaron Rodgers and the LaFleur offense to take some shots down the field. That is what scares me about the Eagles. Flipping around on the other side, I almost worry about the same thing. I'm not necessarily worried about the pass rush of the or the great front seven that the Packers have had so far, but I do worry about Mike Pettin putting his uh, corners on an island a little too much, okay? I worry about that, but I don't know if the Eagles have the guys to really take advantage of it right now. Alshon Jeffrey's a 50-50 jump ball type guy, but not a just, I'm going to blaze by you and catch a 50-yard bomb. I'm really scared. Like I said, I'm taking the Packers 24-21. The spread is Packers favored by four over under 46 and a half, Uh, but I wouldn't bet on this and I don't feel comfortable and would not be surprised if the Philadelphia Eagles won. All right, let's get another example. Wait, another example of Sims threading the needle, picking the favorite to win, but picking the underdog to cover. And let me just say to the extent that we factor in over under, because I don't put a whole lot of thought before we sit down and do this into the score because I'm not thinking over under, but over under is 40 Six and a half. So I'm going to revise my score to 28-24, not 24-20. I still like the Eagles by four. I like the idea of maybe more points being scored based on your explanation. And my, my gut's telling me this game is going to be more likely to be over that number, although it's probably going to be close to that number. Yeah. I'll go 28-24, so I'm leaning over. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, yeah, it could be an extra touchdown by either team in there. I'm going Packers 24-21, and okay, i barely on the under there. But okay, we got that one in the books. I'm excited to watch that tonight. Now, let's get to the 1 p.m. games on Saturday. Panthers at Texans. Texans favored by four points over and under 47 and a half. The Kyle Allen show continues on the road here in Houston. Texans had the big win last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. Run us through the injuries, Mike, that uh, stick out to you. Well, you know, Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle that the Texans picked up the week before the season started for a couple of first-round picks and a second-round pick. They also got back receiver Kenny Stills. He was limited last week in practice with an ankle injury. This week, it's an ankle and a toe that has him limited in practice. We have to continue to watch the injury report as the week unfolds. Chantrell Henderson is out with an illness. And those are the really only noteworthy injuries. Nobody else seems to be seriously injured. Whitney Merciless, shoulder, he fully participated. He should be fine. For the Panthers, obviously, Cam Newton is out. Shaq Thompson, limited in practice with a knee. Greg Olson, limited with a back. Kwan Short was out with a shoulder injury. Trey Turner, out with an ankle injury. So continue to watch the injury report because that may factor into your final assessment, whether it's for betting purposes or fantasy purposes. But obviously, the big news, no Cam Newton, and who knows how long it'll be until we see Cam Newton. If Kyle Allen wins another game, that pushes back Cam Newton's timetable probably even longer, Chris. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting matchup. 
Panthers defense, pretty good, right? I mean, they, they have been one of the better pass defenses in football. They make you work. They make you earn it. They're not going to just let up big plays. Now, I guess uh, I, I, I think that continues. What scares me about that aspect of Carolina's defense, which I have a lot of respect for, is Deshaun Watson's ability to extend plays. And when you play a lot of zone coverage like the Carolina Panthers do and do that, you know, when you have to play those zones for that long and Deshaun Watson, who can move around and buy himself time, we've seen it for the first three weeks of the season, that scares me a little on the back end. And I don't think Carolina's pass rush is in the special category yet either to take advantage of maybe some of the issues the Texans have on the offensive side of the ball. You know, flipping it around, um, hey, Kyle Allen was great last week. You and I both know Christian McCaffrey's awesome. I'm a fan of North Turner, North Turner and what he's done with that offense. The Texans' pass defense has been, you know, an issue, but they've played also some pretty good pass offenses in the in the fact of New Orleans to start the year and then the Chargers last week. So I think it's better statistically than what it says. I don't know. I don't. My big thing is I don't think Kyle Allen's going to take advantage good enough to take advantage at for the second week in a row. I think the game fell just right for them last week. I think the Texans have found a little formula on the offensive side of the ball that works for them. Mike, I'm going Texas, Texans, and I'm going Texans by 10. I'm going to go 24-14, Texans get the victory, and that clearly uh, covers the spread. Yeah, you know, the Texans could be 3-0. and Yeah. They had the game won against the New Orleans Saints. They allowed the Saints to drive down the field and kick the game-winning field goal. And, uh, I, I, hey, it impressed me that they went to L.A. and beat the Chargers there last week, a game that I thought the Chargers would win. And, you know, we've criticized the Texans so much for mortgaging their future. Well, when you mortgage your future, you have a lot of money in hand right now. Right. They've got Laramie Tunsil. They've got Kenny Stills. And I see 23-17 for a lot of the same reasons that you identified. I don't know that Kyle Allen can continue right. to do what he did last week. This is not the Cardinals' defense. This is a better defense. This is a tough environment for the Panthers. And I think the Texans are starting to build a little something. It We've already like seen it. the separation start at the top of the AFC South. You know, going into the year, we didn't know who was going to be any good. Week one kind of caused us to reevaluate, especially with the Titans beating the Browns. But I think it's going to be the Colts and the Texans, as it seems to be more often than not, and they're starting to separate, and this is an opportunity for the Texans to get to 3-1 and one and start to pull away from the bottom of the division. Okay, I hear you. And you, and you said, what was your score, 23-17? That's what you had there? 23-17. All right, cool. All right, so we're, we're very similar there, uh, very close. You, you gave the Panthers basically a field goal compared to me. That's all it was. Okay, now we go to the Browns versus the Browns, the old Browns versus the new Browns. It's the Browns at the Ravens, uh, tough place to play. Baltimore, I mean, the Cleveland Browns backs against the wall here. I mean, they're in danger here with a, a, a tough stretch of games coming up of really putting themselves in the hole. Played well last week. There's a lot to respect about what the Browns did. Ravens coming off a weird game against the Kansas City Chiefs where I, got, I think they got away from what they do. All right? Uh, in Baltimore, Ravens favored by uh, seven points, over under at 45. Mike, go ahead. What do you got? Well, let me give you the quick injury rundown. Mark Andrews, who was questionable last week for Baltimore with a, with a foot injury, he did not practice Wednesday. Jimmy Smith, knee injury, did not practice. Earl Thomas got the day off for rest. Those are the important ones that really stand out. Bre Brendan Trowick, also elbow injury, didn't practice. 
uh, for the Browns, Demarius Randall is back, and it was weird. Okay. He claims he didn't have a concussion. He's cleared to practice with a concussion that he claims he didn't have. He fully participated. The rest of the starting secondary, though, still banged up, still out. Joel Batonio was limited with an abdominal injury. OBJ still showing up on the injury report with a hip, but he fully participated in practice. Those yep. are the big ones for the. I don't. I don't see injuries being a real issue here, except for the Browns secondary, yeah, that's which may issue. still be. Which yeah, which still other than that, the the Browns should be fine. And and look, I I I was talking to Tony Grossi earlier today on PFT Live, who uh, covers the Browns and has covered them for years. And yeah, he he has what I thought was unreal unrealistic amount of confidence in the Browns this week. His point is, hey, they can go in and they can beat the Ravens. They can be right where they were supposed to be, tied for first place in the division. It's like it's not going to be quite as easy to go into Baltimore and beat. The Ravens. First of all, the Browns don't seem to be firing on all cylinders like they were late last year when they gave the Ravens everything they could handle. True. And the Ravens seem pretty good. Yeah. You know, even though the Ravens had a couple fluky plays to keep it close against the Chiefs, right. they still kept it close against the Chiefs. No doubt. So, I, 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 you know, the Browns are going to have to prove it to me. After losing two out of three games, they've got some tough games coming up. I want to see how Freddie Kitchens handles adversity. I mean, if his excuse for making bad decisions in play calling is going to be... I'm new at this. He's also new at dealing with adversity, and I don't think they're going to deal with it very well. I think the Ravens win this one, and uh, I, I let me find my score here. i got to scroll up. i got these out of order a little bit. I have the Ravens winning this game in Baltimore. See, I'm filling as I scroll down to go. find it. Well. I've got the Ravens winning by 7, 27-20, okay. and they may win by more than that. Okay, so you got to push there uh, with the Ravens winning by 7. Um, okay, I, I mean, you, you said a lot of things there uh, that I think are correct. I'm a con- little concerned, of course, about the secondary for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, you'd love to have Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams out there. Just for those handful of snaps, when they want to play man-to-man, you can trust them a little bit more than the guys they got out there right now. So uh, that does concern me a little bit, but I'm not going to like let it determine my pick or totally just because the Browns are more of a zone coverage type of football team as well. And I think the Browns' defense is one of the things being overlooked about the Browns in general right now. I mean, they, they've played well, really, in all three games. I mean, really, other than the, oh, man, we had a few guys mess up and have a mental error on that 75-yard screen pass in week one against the Tennessee Titans. Other than that, it's been a stout unit, and they gave the Rams all they can handle last week. Now, the other side of the ball, yeah, i am still got questions about the Browns' offense, what they're trying to do. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. made the comment about we don't have an identity, and, you know, I said that on Monday morning, too. I just don't think they know exactly how they want to attack yet. A little scary, but I think they're going to keep this close. One, because of desperation. Two, I think their defense is pretty damn good to slow down this attack of the Baltimore Ravens. I think they can hang in there in the run game and in the pass game a little bit. And uh, because of that and because of the desperation, I'm going to take the Ravens, but in a close one, 20 to 17, Mike. Uh, I think Baltimore gives them, I mean, the Browns give them all they can handle. Uh, I do. And I do think I still have faith in Cleveland. You know, Cleveland, their biggest issue last week of that Rams game was pass protection. The Baltimore Ravens are not great pass rushers. And that's where I give them a fighting chance on that side of the ball. So they, they lose, but I think they uh, make it very close. And uh, like I said, I'm going Ravens 20-17. to 17. Let me ask you this question yeah. about the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. The, the uh, 
issue arose yesterday. Right. And actually, it was earlier in the week when Rex Ryan was on ESPN saying that Baker Mayfield is overrated as hell and he's a one-read quarterback. Do you agree with the assessment of Mayfield as a, as a one-read quarterback? I, I, don't, I don't totally agree with that. I do think there's a handful of snaps in every game so far. Uh, the, the crazy thing is this, Mike. All the things I worried about when he came out of Oklahoma did not come true last year, but they're starting to come true now, which is, yes, there are plays that Rex Ryan is talking about, and it's not every play because that's not fair to say. But, yes, there's too many when I watch film where he looks at the first guy and he's not open and he panics in the pocket, as you see him do a lot right lately, and then he, he escapes back and right which is such a big mistake anyways. He really has to learn to stay in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield. And he was better at that last year than this year. This year, I think he's seen ghosts because they have some protection problems. You know, their offense is finding their way. He's not overrated. Hey, maybe the Browns and everything around it got overrated, but this is still a young quarterback learning on the fly. And it's not easy playing quarterback when you're young and your right guard and right tackle suck. And you constantly have to like kind of peek over your shoulder to go, I hope they're blocking somebody. And there was a lot of throws last week where they were not, and that's why they had to throw a lot of short game and all that. So long story short, I don't totally disagree uh, agree with what Rex Ryan's saying there. Um, all right, let's get to it. Next one, Chiefs, Lions. Chiefs favored at six and a, by six and a half points in Detroit, over and under 545 this is Patrick Mahomes' first game in a dome as an NFL quarterback, which I kind of thought that was funny. It's kind of shocking that uh, this is the first one. But uh, go ahead, Mike. Run us through the injuries. Well, and, and it's his first regular season game because some of his great throws last year came in the Georgia Dome in the preseason. And if anything, right. he's only going to be better when we completely take weather and wind out of the mix. So this could get very scary, and it gives you an idea maybe of how much better he would be if he played eight of his home games in a dome stadium. All right, Danny Amendola did not practice yesterday. Chest injury. Mike Daniels has the foot injury. He was injured, I, I think, this past week it was, against it was. the Eagles. And Darius Slay, remember he's hopping around one leg with a hamstring. He was limited in practice with a hamstring injury, but those take time to heal. And for yep. the Chiefs, Mahomes still shows up. With an ankle injury, he fully participated in practice. Eric Fisher still out with a groin. Tyree Kill obviously still out with his clavicle issue. Damian Williams did not practice with a knee. He's the starting running back. LaShawn McCoy limited with an ankle. He did well last week. So uh, that's the those are the big ones for both teams. Okay. You want to lead it off on this one? You tell me what you think, what you got? Yeah, look, I, I th- this falls into the category of... Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. And I think Matt Patricia will have a plan for dealing with the Kansas City Chiefs. His former boss, Bill Belichick, had a plan for slowing down the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and it took some heroic efforts by Tom Brady and company to come back and win that game. I don't think the personnel in Detroit is good enough to implement the plan, and Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. And even though he's still feeling that ankle, he told me that on Sunday after the win over the Ravens, I think the Chiefs are more than good enough. And this is one of those one of those games where a team that maybe surprises us with their early season performance comes back down to earth. The Lions go from 2-0-1 to 2-1-1. I got Chiefs 34, Lions 24. Wow. Okay. Yep. All right. So uh, we're not going to be far off here. I'm going to say my score right off the bat too. Chiefs 31, Lions 21. Okay. Now, this is what scares me, and you hit on it a little bit. What scares me is this. I fully expect the Chiefs to win. I don't know if I'm fully confident they'll win by 10 points because I do get scared of what you said. 
It is Matt Patricia. He did have his old coach and boss last year who showed a little bit of a formula of how to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Now, he certainly doesn't have the personnel that New England has, so that's an issue there. But where I worry about it is this, is the Lions are big up front. You know that. They're pretty good at, you know, stopping the run. The Chiefs are not necessarily a team that is looking to run the ball anyways. And when you become one-dimensional a little bit like that against a guy like Matt Patricia, I think he'll call their bluff a little bit. And he'll have a lot of three and four-man rushes. And he might look like it's, oh, we got people at the line of scrimmage. But they're going to back out and he's going to play total pass defense. And I think he could give them some problems there. Uh, I do think this Chiefs defense matches up very well with the Lions offense. You know, the Lions... Uh, I'm not necessarily, they're, they're just trying to play complimentary football. They're kind of a team that on offense, it's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Matt, uh, Matt Stafford, make a play here or there to keep the chains going, to score a touchdown. But I still think they're finding their way on the offensive side of the ball. And my biggest question about the Lions is their drop back pass game. One of the things I said on my podcast yesterday was if the Lions have to get in a shootout, does Daryl Bevel have the inventory of drop back pass game to get into that style of game? And I'm not so sure he does. I haven't seen it yet through three weeks, and I never saw it up in Seattle. I like what they're doing there, but I don't think that's conducive to what they want to do. That's why I go Chiefs 31, uh, Lions 21. Anything you want to add there further, or uh... I, I got, I got, I got nothing to add. All right, cool. We have covered it all. All right, and 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 you know what though, if the Lions do pull this one off, right, then it's time to completely reevaluate how we feel about the Lions because yeah. this would be one of those shots heard around the NFL world, and I'm not ready to rule it out. But I, I just think the Chiefs are too good. You know, yeah. we're, we've kind of signed on to this idea that the Patriots, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Rams are a cut above everyone else. Right. And uh, now it's up to everyone else to prove that that's wrong. Yeah, that's right. All right. Now, uh, talking about a cut above everybody else, uh, that would be the Miami Dolphins. I should say below everybody else. But the Chargers going to Miami um, in the dreaded 1 o'clock game for the West Coast team that I always look at. They're favored by 15 points. Dolphins, uh, of course, at home. Gave a spirited effort last week in Dallas to at least make it somewhat fun to watch for two and a half quarters. Uh, over under at 43 and a half. Lead us off, Mike, with the injuries. Yeah, and the Chargers have a lot of guys who didn't yes, practice on do. Wednesday. Michael Badgley, the kicker, has missed some games. Travis Benjamin has a hip injury. He didn't practice. He's one of the skill position guys. Tight ends, Hunter Henry and Virgil Green, no practice for them. Henry's got a knee problem that's lingering. Green's got a groin issue. Casey Hayward didn't practice. And also Mike Williams popping up with a back injury. He had a knee problem earlier this year. No practice yesterday for him with a back injury. And for the Dolphins, uh, does it really matter? Josh, Oben, Josh Rosen has a right elbow injury. He fully participated. The other skill position guys, Albert Wilson, hip and calf, limited in practice. Alan Hearns recovering for a, from a concussion. He got blown up by Jeff Heath last week in Dallas. So those are the big injuries. Those are the injuries of note for the Chargers-Dolphins game. And let me just go right into my assessment yeah, of this one. I, look, I, I've got no faith in the Dolphins, um, home or away, regardless of who they play. And the Chargers are 1-2, and two and they shouldn't be. And this is one of those get-right weekends for a team that feels like it should be a playoff contender. They have too many close games. Last year, they won most of their close games. This year, they've lost a couple of close games. And now this is a game that isn't going to be close. I think the Chargers are going to drop the hammer on the 
Miami Dolphins, and now i got to scroll back up and find the score. I think I did 42-17. Okay. Uh, maybe not quite 42. Here it is, here it is, here it is. 42-10. So I'm, wow. I'm, not, I'm not letting the Dolphins score more than 10 points, which is their high on the season. 42-10, L.A. over Miami. Okay, all right. I see you there. I mean, listen, I'm clearly picking the Chargers to win this football game as well. I don't know why, but I feel like this game might be... First off, Josh Rosen is the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He's much better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I saw enough last week in that game to go, that should not... We should not be seeing Fitzpatrick uh, other than for injury purposes for the rest of the year. Josh Rosen gives them the best chance. He's the best thrower on the team. He's an underrated athlete, and he made some big throws in that game last week, and they didn't necessarily help him out a lot with the Dolphins either. I am going to say, though, this, okay? I'm going Chargers 27, Dolphins 23, okay? I know. I'm keeping it close. Now, I would not bet money on that. I don't bet on bad teams. And the Dolphins, who the fuck knows? I mean, we know they're bad. But this is where I'll give them a fighting chance. The injuries of the Chargers do bother me. The fact that this staff came from New England and got to play this Chargers team in the divisional playoff game last year and really had their way with the Chargers' defense especially, to where I think they're going to be able to muster enough offense. The Chargers are going to take it a little lightly. You know I always think Miami's a trap, even for a team from Los Angeles and that 1 p.m. start where I just feel like teams can kind of you know be asleep at the wheel for a little bit. I think the Chargers clearly win the game, like I said. But I do think with the familiarity this staff has with the Chargers, that they can make things interesting to a degree. And I don't think they're going to get blown off the field in this one. That's why I go Chargers 27, Dolphins 23. But I will not be making that a bet of the week because, like I said, I don't trust the Dolphins. I mean, they could very easily lose what you're saying, but I'm just going with a little bit of a gut feeling on this one. I like the take that has the links of the Miami coaching staff back to the win over the Chargers in the playoffs. But then I remind myself that the Patriots the, are the Patriots yeah, and right. the Dolphins are the Dolphins. Yes. And right, you can draw it up just like drawing up a tight end blocking a pass rusher. It looks good until it's time to go do it. No question. No question. All right, let's get to Dildo Ball. Okay, here we go. It's the Dildo Ball. <laughs> it's a podcast that I could say it. Yes. Uh, it's uh, our annual tradition that Mike and I love to laugh about during commercial breaks whenever we talk about Patriots and Bills. But the Patriots going up to Buffalo. Buffalo, no pushover. Uh, as we've seen, they are 3-0. and Patriots favored by 7.5, over under at 42.5. I was surprised to see that. So the Las Vegas doesn't think this will be real high scoring. But go ahead, Mike. Lead it off with the injuries. Yeah, and uh, just a couple of notes for the Patriots. Tom Brady's still limited with a calf injury. He was limited last week. He still played. He explained he's no spring chicken anymore. That's uh, that's a fairly obvious point from a guy who's 42 and a month and a half old. Rex Burkhead, foot injury, limited in practice. Julian Edelman had that chest injury, had x-rays on his ribs. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. Um, for the Buffalo Bills, the guy to watch is Devin Singletary, running back, hamstring injury, did not practice at all on Wednesday, may not be available come Sunday. It could be the Frank Gore show. Zay Jones was limited in practice with a shoulder injury. And look, Chris, I mean, it was, it's, this, this is a great rivalry. It is. And every year we allow ourselves to think that this is the year the Bills are going to stick it to the Patriots. And I'm not going to fall for that again. 
I, I, the Patriots are still a cut above everyone in the AFC East, including the Bills. The Bills are a little bit of an inflated 3-0, and should have lost to the Jets, almost blew it to the Bengals. I just think the Patriots are still a step or two above the Bills, and they will be ready because of the fact that the Bills are 3-0, and because of that vibe that here come the Patriots and Bills Mafia is going to be fired up and they're going to be throwing the dildos out onto the field. And we were having fun yesterday on the show talking about it and making people in the control room very, very nervous as we talked about it and stopped short of saying something we shouldn't say on an FCC-regulated radio broadcast. But, uh, you know, it's a fun game. It's an exciting environment. But I think the Patriots are going to go in there knowing they, they need to, to jump on the Bills early and quiet that crowd. And then, as Tom Brady said yesterday, he loves it when, toward the end of the game, it's just Patriots fans left. And I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Again, my pick for the score. i got to get my, my picks in the same yeah, no, order I know. Don't, as yeah, the outline. Because right. I keep fishing around here looking for the score. picks of scores of games. It's all right. Well, right. But I, I have a list. that's. I need to get the list that you have. I've got Patriots 30, Bills 21. Patriots 30, Bills 21. Okay. All right. Yes. I I, I hear you there. It's not like uh, too far off. Certainly, I could see that happening. Okay. All right. I guess if I I had to break it down like this, the Bills offense versus the Patriots defense, I do worry about that a little bit, but the Bills have pretty good balance. I mean, Brian Dayball came from New England. He's got a little bit of a feel for what the Patriots like to do defensively. Uh, I worry, though, about the Bills versus that secondary you know, they're going to have to be patient with the run game and maybe have some design runs for Josh Allen and things like that. Because if they think they're just going to drop back Josh Allen 30 and 40 times against this team and that's secondary, I think only bad things can happen. So I do think McDermott and company are going to have to manage the Bills offense properly to make sure Josh Allen doesn't try to like, you know, Proved to everybody, like, look, I can beat Tom Brady, and he just makes some crazy throws that we know he's capable of making. But he's been pretty damn good this year. We know that. The other side of the ball, the Bills defense, I don't know if anybody's given more problems to Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels than Sean McDermott the last few years. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots win. We know that. They're the better team in these past few years. But the Bills defense, so well coached, McDermott with his game plan specific simplicity with his zone coverages, if that makes sense. You know, he plays cover two, but he might play a different version of cover two on a certain week because he sees certain aspects of your offense where he might drop guys differently in the zone from week to week, but it's still cover two or cover four. And that's what I love about him. Their front, we always talk about Mike, you can't blitz Brady. I don't think Buffalo needs to. They don't have to. Their front four, phenomenal. I think they could get pressure that way, and I think they can be okay in the run game. I think where you're taking the Patriots are going to be on high alert. I'm going to go more of the Bills are going to play their their best, most buttoned-up game of the year because of the fear of the Patriots, because – they do want to assert themselves as like we're no longer a pushover. I think Josh Allen's going to be on his game. They recognize the magnitude of this game, and I do think the Bills think they're for real. So I think this will be a closer one than people think. I am going to go uh, – what was my score here? Oh, I'm going to go Patriots 28, Bills 27, okay? I really – I'm like – in my vision, I'm going Patriots drive down late in the game to score a touchdown and win the game and Tom's clutch, and that's how they do it. And, you know, the Bills so close, but that's how I see it kind of unfolding. So I got – we both have the over, surprisingly enough. Um, 
But yeah, I got the Bills covering, and of course, you got the Patriots covering. So that'll be a good one. We'll see. And your point about the Bills being buttoned up because it's the Patriots and it's a stiff test, that makes me less confident in the Bills, not you more think confident they'll be a because scared, that's, that sets the stage for being a little stiff, yeah, a little tight. I hear you. And then if you're down 10 or 14, that's like you pop the air out of the balloon and, uh, and that's it. Not our day, not our year. Same old Patriots, same old Bills. It's a hell of an opportunity, but... The Patriots know that too. Yeah, no, you know, you're they right. don't have a lot of knockout blows they have to deliver in their division. And the Bills in Buffalo is the last big knockout blow that they need to deliver, and it's only week four. Yeah, no, I, I get you. You're, I mean, I, I really will be interested to see the psychological aspect of that game because the other thing I think about too is the Patriots really haven't had to play a football game yet. You know what I mean? So they might like be in like the second quarter and be like, well, holy shit, we're like, this game's tight. Like, we got to like, we got to start playing here. We, we've used to be in just, you know, playing like the peewee football team from, uh, you know, Miami and, and New York and, and Pittsburgh. I mean, this, so I, I, I did play into that, but I certainly could see it going your way. We'll see how it plays out. And if I'm right, I'll rub it in your face next week. All right. Hey, one last point. Yeah. One last point. Yeah. The Patriots opponents through three weeks are 0 and 9 combined. So here comes a team that's 3 and 0. So it is going to be a very stark mean. difference it is. in the quality. Right. Yeah. The so, but I'm just saying, right. I'm pointing out the stat 0 yeah. and 9. They've play have played shit teams. Yeah, they haven't played a team that's won a game yet this year. Yeah. I still like the Patriots. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I will be interested to see how that psychological uh, kind of aspect develops in the game. Okay, now let's go to Indianapolis. The Raiders having to do uh, what we see the Chargers doing. They're playing that one o'clock East Coast game in Indianapolis. Raiders got blown off the field last week by your Minnesota Vikings. Colts favored by seven. Colts shaping up to be a, ooh, this team's legit type of football team in my eyes. Uh, over under at 44 and a half. Mike, uh, lead us off with the injuries, dude. Yeah, for the Colts, the guys to keep an eye on. Receiver T.Y. Hilton, quadricep injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. Darius Leonard, great running back, or running back, great linebacker. Concussion, no practice for him on Wednesday. Ryan Kelly was out with an illness. Malik Hooker. Great safety, knee injury. He didn't practice, so these are guys to keep an eye on as the week unfolds. For the Oakland Raiders, they got some some injuries that should cause concern. Yep, Trent Brown, go. ankle and knee injuries. He was limited in practice. Vontez Perfect has the cocktail of elbow, knee, and shoulder injuries. He was limited. Uh, Gabe Jackson, knee injury. He didn't practice. So, so And again, you never know how it's going to play out the rest of the week. The guys who don't practice on Wednesday, those are the guys that you need to watch most carefully to see if and when they get back and if and when they, they do have that opportunity to play. But uh, both teams, you know, we're, we're three weeks in. There's some teams that are, that are more banged up than others. But for the Colts, I think the big concern is T.Y. Hilton and Darius Leonard. Yeah, that is. Those are, those are big. Um, I mean, I think they can survive either one of them because the Raiders are not great, right? I mean, the Raiders, I worry about, you know, yeah, Trent Brown a little bit on the offensive side, of, uh, offensive line, the offensive line issues, Gabe Jackson, all of that. Yeah, I do. I worry about it. The Raiders' offense is not clicking on all cylinders. Their run game is okay. You know, pass game, there's nothing special to sit there and, like, talk about. You know, there's still a little too much of a John Gruden dink and dunk aspect to the offense uh, in my eyes. And they're missing, you know, a real just difference maker on that side of the ball right now in the pass game who can scare a defense. They got a lot of good. I don't know if they have any great. Uh, the defensive side of the ball with Colts versus the Raiders I just worry about the Colts just absolutely smashing the face of the Raiders. I mean, you saw your Vikings do it last week. The Raiders, 
There's nothing good up front to really look at. And that front seven, I can't sit there and go, ooh, yeah, oh, I like that. I like this. I mean, they play hard. Clellan Farrell is solid. I mean, they got a lot of solid, um, but nothing to hang your hat on. And I think this Colts offense has just gotten better every week along with Jacoby Brissett. So I look at this like this, Mike. I think the Colts win 28-17. I think they control this game maybe from the get-go. I could see the Raiders making it close at first, like 7-7, something like that. But slowly but surely, the Colts will wear this team down. 28-17 Colts. Boy, I, and I have it not even being that close. I got 34-20 Colts. Wow. I, I just believe that the Colts are clearly a better team. The Raiders are kind of in the early throws of a free fall. They lost by 18 to the Chiefs. They lost by 20 in Minnesota. They don't have another true home game for like five more weeks. John Gruden's gotten himself all twisted up. After they beat the Broncos, he said, we didn't need Antonio Brown. Now after two straight losses, well, we don't have Antonio Brown. That's why the offense isn't any good. Derek Carr's not throwing the ball down the field, even though Gruden wants him to. Everybody's making excuses. Gruden's making excuses. Carr's making excuses. And I think the the losses are just going to pile up. And I can see the Colts just running rough shop over the Oakland Raiders oh, this week. Yeah. And it may not be it may not be that close. But 34-20, I'll be a little charitable with the Raiders. I'll allow them to score 20. I'll allow them to only lose by 14. But I think there's a clear difference between the Colts and the Raiders at this point. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And I think that the matchups are scary for the Raiders in this one. The things the Colts are very good at, the Raiders are not good at. And that's scary. Um, okay, let's go to another one of the fascinating games of uh, the 1 p.m. You know, not necessarily it's sexy, but this is one when I was looking at it, I was like, oh, I don't know who I'm going to pick here. I don't love either team. It's the Titans at the Falcons. Falcons favored by four, over under 46. You know, Falcons were okay last week, moved the ball on the Colts, had chances to win, had another bad injury to Keanu O'Neill. That stinks. Matt Ryan threw another dumb red zone interception, which seems to be one of the things he's going to do on a weekly basis this year. Uh, the Titans, I don't know what the fuck they are, okay? You know, they just they had a great game plan for week one that caught the Browns by surprise. After that, yeah, had a chance against the Colts, really were outplayed. The Colts were better than the two-point win. Titans last week in Jacksonville, it was Sucksville, okay, in Jacksonville. They looked like shit. Uh, I do think Marcus Mariota's time as a quarterback. We could start, you know, start the clock. Let's see, because if they don't have another good out offensive output here, I do think that people will clamor for Ryan Tannehill, and I think the Titans should talk about it regardless. Uh, go ahead, Mike, hit the injuries up. Yeah, uh, not not a lot of injuries of note in this one. Calvin Ridley limited with a hip on Wednesday. The number two receiver for the Falcons. Got to keep an eye on that. Two running backs didn't practice with concussions. Edo Smith and Kenyon Barner. Edo Smith, the backup to Devontae Freeman. So that's something to watch. Yes, it is. For the Titans, Delaney Walker, knee injury, did not practice. He had that rant in the locker room yesterday about how guys react differently when they're one and two than they used to, that they don't get as down in the mouth, they don't get as upset, they're more individualized now than they used to be. I don't know what impact that has on the Titans. But let me tell you this, Chris. The Titans are the ultimate team that defies what you expect. Yeah. They play up to the level of competition. They play down to the level of competition. They got off to a bad start last week in a 14-point hole yep. against the Jaguars, and that is not a team that is built to come from behind, especially not with Marcus Mariota. I mean, my God, when they were down two scores in the fourth quarter and they were trying to move the ball I genuinely wondered whether or not Mariota thought it was the third quarter that was the lack of urgency we saw from him and I wouldn't be shocked if at some point they do flip from Mariota to Ryan Tannehill but 
They've had extra time to get ready for this one. Yep. And again, they play up to the level of the competition. Falcons are a four-point favorite. This is the kind of game the Titans win. It's a quick trip from Nashville to Tennessee or right. from Nashville to Atlanta. Yep. I like the Titans to steal this one 23 to 20. Okay. I, I mean, I hear you. This is a toss-up football game. I mean, if anybody out there is betting money on this one, uh, I'm just gonna tell you you have a don't. you have a problem. You have a problem if you're betting on this one. Because I don't know what's gonna happen here either. All right. I'm going the opposite of you. I'm gonna go 28-24 Falcons because I just can't pick the Titans right now. But I everything you said, I mean, it's true, but I just I gotta see their offense. But let me just break it down real quick before and then we'll move on to the next game. What scares me, I mean, Titans offense versus Falcons defense. Can O'Neal getting hurt and tearing his Achilles tendon, for the, that is a huge blow to that team. Such an important position for that Seattle-type scheme that the Atlanta Falcons defense plays that Dan Quinn implemented there. I mean, they've lost Cam Chancellor, and Can O'Neal is a really special safety, is a really special football player, one of the best in the sport, let alone playing a vital position uh, for that scheme. So that really, really hurts them. And their secondary is not that good to begin with. So that aspect there, I look at it and I go, man, there's going to be some plays for Mariota in the passing offense to strike and move the ball. You know, the other side of the ball, you know, the Titans defense plays a little too much man-to-man at times, and that scares me. You know, excuse me, my nose is running. But that scares me when you have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu and Matt Ryan. It does. You take too many chances. But at the same time, the other thing that scares me a little is Dean Pease's ability to game plan with the extra time that you mentioned and him finding a few creative wrinkles to take away staples of the Atlanta offense. So all those things scare me. But just the fact that the, the Falcons are at home and I don't trust Marcus Mariota is really the only reason I'm going with the Falcons. Falcons 28-24, which would be a push in my book there. And you have the Titans winning outright, which would be maybe one of your bets of the week. We'll see. No, no. Just because I like the underdog to win straight up doesn't mean I'm okay. willing to put someone else's money on it. But, yep. you know, one last point about the Falcons. Please. They are starting to feel a little desperate. Yes, but I don't think it's going to make a difference. Right. I, I just feel like something's broken in that organization that needs to be fixed. And it's going to be punished punctuated by the closest team geographically to the Falcons coming in and uh, and knocking them off and and we're going to start having Dan Quinn on uh, on termination alert. watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I uh, I think you're right. That could be coming around the corner. All right, Redskins at Giants. Case Keenum versus DJNY. Danny Dimes taking over the Giants. Redskins at the Giants. Giants favored by two and a half over under at 49. Okay, Michael, um, go ahead. You do injuries and then lead it off to your thoughts on the game and your pick and everything. First of all, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you like the Danny Dimes nickname? I, I, not, I like the way it sounds. Yes, I do. I like Danny Dimes. I do. Yes, I'm on board with yeah, it. I don't like it. I laugh because I it, wish it. Yeah. Go ahead. You, I just, it's, it's really become a thing up here. I mean, I just, if we walk around New York or you walk around the office here at NBC, it's all I mean, but Danny Dimes, Danny Dimes. So I don't know. It's got a nice ring to it. I could deal with it. I wish his number was two and then we could call him Danny Deuce and we could say he's dropping a deuce on everybody. I mean, that would be even better. Too bad he picked number eight. Uh, so anyway, every time I see Danny Dimes now, I think Danny Deuce, which maybe I like it uh, after all. All right. Uh, injuries. 
Case Keenum. Now, Washington did not practice on Wednesday, so we get one of these weird injury reports where right. they didn't practice, but if they had practiced, here's who wouldn't have practiced. Case Keenum with a foot injury, which is big. Colt McCoy would have fully participated with a fibula injury that dates back to last year. So Keenum wouldn't have gone. McCoy would have gone. Meanwhile, Dwayne Haskins appears nowhere on the injury report, and it sounded yesterday as if Coach Jay Gruden a little more willing to entertain the possibility of flipping over to Dwayne Haskins, and I think that would be smart. If he wants to extend his tenure, at some point you have to say, my best argument isn't winning games. My best argument is establishing a rapport with the rookie quarterback so people in the front office decide I'm the best candidate to coach this guy next year. Really great point, And maybe point, Jay Mike. Gruden. Really great And maybe point. he's getting closer and closer to realizing yeah. that that's what he needs to do. Yeah, Mike, I mean, that's – I. if you want to get into, like, the politics of football and things like that, I agree with you. That's the play there at this point. Winning games, I don't know if that's really realistic. Bringing along the rookie quarterback and striking up a relationship where the quarterback goes, no, I like this guy as my head coach, and he can tell the owner and the other important people who make decisions, that could save his job. Okay, uh, go ahead. You want to lead this off, or you want me to lead this off here? No, I'll, t- I'll take it. I didn't mention the Giants injuries. Oh, yeah, Obviously, yeah. Saquon yeah, Barkley's right. out with an ankle. That's the big one. Russell Shepard didn't practice with a foot. He's one of the team's receivers. Alec Ogletree has a hamstring, but for the most part, uh, there there is uh, general health for the Giants. And the key is Daniel Jones emerged from his first start, where he was offensive rookie or offensive player of the week in the NFC with no injuries whatsoever. I like the Giants in this one, thirty to twenty-one, and that may be thirty even to twenty-one. Yes. What? what? Well, I th- why, why shouldn't I? They scored 32 last week in Tampa. This is Danny Jones coming out party at home against a division rival. I don't believe in Washington on either side of the ball. They gave up 20, what, 31 points last week to the Bears. I think Danny Dimes is going to drop a deuce all over Washington. I love it. Yes, if you're going to pick them to win by nine points, then you got to call him Danny Dimes, okay? That's just that's part of it. All right. Wow. I can't believe you got them dominating like that. It's only nine points. It only nine points for a shit team that's, you know, had one week of offense. Okay, all right. I mean, all right, I'm going the opposite of you. I'm going the Redskins 23-20. I think the Giants are going to have that week of, oh, we feel good. We got off the schneid. We got our quarterback. They're going to, like, kind of believe in all that. Also, the Redskins, yeah, it was, it was a disaster last week. Their defense didn't play bad. Case Keenum did some stupid things against a really awesome defense. And, of course, they were out. Man, that Bears defense is special. I I think the Redskins will move the ball on the Giants. The Giants' defense sucks. I mean, they suck. They can't cover anything. So you're going to be able to throw the ball on them. Now, I know the Redskins are not going to run the ball a whole lot either, but I would be really concerned. The Redskins have found ways to make big plays in the pass game. Even last week they did against the Bears. It just it was followed by a, a bad interception or a great play by the defense. I think the Redskins are kind of in that desperate mode. Now, if Case Keenum can't play, that would scare me, and I would change my bet. But right now I'm picking it as he is playing, and I think that Greg Minuski, who I'm a fan of, the defensive coordinator of the, the Washington Redskins, I think he'll find a few wrinkles to make life a little more tough on a Daniel Jones. And I'm going to go with the Redskins pulling off the upset 23-20 in Danny Dimes' home opener. I, I, I I'm not can't... betting on it, though. I would not bet no. on it. It'd be another one. I don't bet on bad teams because who knows what the hell could happen. Two points. Yes, two. One, uh, Pat Shermer, the coach of the Giants, yeah. knows Case Keenum 
very well. Yeah. Knows what he can do, knows what he can't do, knows what to force him to do that he's not comfortable doing. And I think that will, to the extent that Shermer takes the time to work with defensive coordinator James Betcher right. this week, they can maybe come up with something that will shut down Case Keenum. Sec- or at least slow him down. Yeah, I gotcha. Secondly, secondly, I cannot pick a team who stirs the Gatorade with a sleeve of cups wrapped in plastic. That speaks to a level of dysfunction that permeates the entire organization, top to bottom. And anybody who drank that Gatorade on Monday night has all sorts of microorganisms crawling around inside their bodies that may prevent them from being as effective as they can be when it's time to play on Sunday. Okay. I I agree with you on the stirring the cup. I'm surprised that you aren't more grossed out about the stirring of the Gatorade that gets ingested into the human body by the sleeve of plastic cups wrapped in plastic that was laying God knows where, on the ground, in the grass, on a pile of crap. Who knows? And, hey, what the hell? Let's just stir the Gatorade yeah, with no, it. No, I, no. I'm Mr. Gross. Germaphobe yeah. should be horrified by that. I, I definitely am horrified by it. I, I really am. I can't lie. Uh, I guess I just when you're on a sideline, there's a lot of other gross things that are going on to where you'd probably block that out. I mean, like I've talked about. So why times. drink filth? I know. Why drink right. filth that is added to your game? What's the magic ingredient in the Gatorade? It's filth. Yeah, it is filth. I mean, it's also filth on the back of the quarterback's hand from sticking his finger in the butt crack of a 300-pound man all game, too. So, Do you stir of, the Gatorade with that I finger I feel like after it? the game's over, when I smelled my <laughs> hand, I was always like, it, sound, it smells like I stirred his asshole for a little while today. Okay? All right. All right. All right. I got I to gotta promote. I got to promote this crappy <laughs> this crappy guy I know's podcast, okay? The PFTPM podcast with Mike Florio. Mike is uh, the man, okay? We know that every week. I mean, he kind of just does it. I don't have a card to read here, but I'm just going to wax poetically about your podcast nonetheless. Um, Mike, that you've never listened to. No, I have That's not. That's okay. I don't listen to yours. Exactly. I know you didn't. I mean, how much do you think I can listen to you in a day? But, Mike, you're always all over all league matters. I always respect that about you. You're always taking questions from the posse. How is the posse, by the way? I haven't heard from them in a while. Are they doing okay? They're, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. I'll, I'll set them loose on you. Okay. They'll, uh, they'll fill up your mentions. Okay. And then what about uh, you got any guests coming up this week? Anything like, noteworthy or this past week? Anybody that uh, no. is worth mentioning? Nothing. 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 Uh, Here's what we do, though. Every Tuesday now, yeah. MDS and I, he's the managing editor of PFT. He joins me, and we do awards for the week that was. Cool. So there's Tuesday's podcast that was the week three awards, and we answered a few questions. And I did yesterday. I try to do once a week, just answer every question that they ask, and I go for an hour to an hour and a half, and I did one yesterday, so that's the latest one. That's the last one for the week, other than the joint PFTPM Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast that we are recording right now. No, but that's cool that you do the mailbag every week. I need to start incorporating that more into my podcast, but uh, PFTPM podcast, download it, subscribe it. You know where to find it. It's anywhere podcasts are available. And the guy that hosts the show is real smart, snarky, asshole, you know, copy, paste, copy, paste, snarky comment, but it's still worth the good listen. Hey, let me let me t- tell you one thing, too. And this is the value of taking questions. Yeah. Because they make you think of things yes. that maybe you otherwise wouldn't think I of. Agree. Because some, when there's all these games happening ideas have to force their way onto your radar screen. And somebody made a good point yesterday that I have yet to write about at PFT, but we talked about it for a while yesterday. Okay. Should the Vikings trade Stephon Diggs? 
He has six catches for 101 yards in three games this year. They are wasting money on Thielen and Diggs. Now, they don't have a lot of depth at the position, but as the trade deadline approaches, if you can beef up some other areas of need on your team, and maybe you could throw him into a package that would include Jalen Ramsey coming to Minnesota, but you could unload some current and future cap obligations on a guy who doesn't fit with what it is you're doing offensively, Chris. So that's something I didn't even think of until somebody asked me the question. I've heard some inklings, Mike, through the back channels of the NFL that there is some rumblings of that talk around the league. Now, if I'm Minnesota, I would not do it this year or right now. You know, they don't have receivers as it is. And even though they might be wasting money and not getting the production, I would make that move after the year because – I think Minnesota is finding a dangerous formula with, okay, we're going to run the ball, two tight ends, fullback. I think Diggs, he's not going to have a ton of catches this year, but I do think he'll, he'll see, we'll see him pop up more as we get going here, and they find their way as far as the passing game because the way they're running the ball, they're going to get some one-on-one looks on the outside with Diggs and Thielen to where I think they can strike for some big plays. We'll see how it works, but I know that's a very interesting topic, and when the podcast is over, I'm going to tell you something else that I know, but I can't say it publicly about that subject, okay? All right. All right. Here we go. 4 p.m. games. Let's start it off. Kyler Murray versus the original Kyle, Kyler Murray, okay? And Russell Wilson, or I should say Russell Wilson and the new version of Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Seahawks at Cardinals. Seahawks favored by five, over under 48. Mike, take us through it. Well, and this is Russell Wilson, like, because even though Kyler Murray's roughly as tall as Russell Wilson, there is a noticeable difference in size between the two guys. And we've seen Kyler Murray struggle a little bit. I think that they're starting to figure out the Cliff Kingsbury offense. Remember all that talk before week one? Hey, nobody knows what to expect. We've got three games of it now, and look what they did last week. All those passes were dinks and dunks, nothing down the field. From an injury standpoint, there's a lot of Seahawks who are on the list. Guys to keep in mind, Rashad Penny running back. He was a scratch last week with a hamstring injury. They've got receiver issues, but the good news is the guys who didn't practice yesterday were simply getting rest. So their receiving core is getting healthy. Very good news for the Seattle Seahawks, but still plenty of guys that there are questions about. Ziggy Ansah, shocker, he's got injury issues. Dwayne Brown didn't practice with a biceps injury. That would be a problem if the left tackle is not available. For the Cardinals, no big names really stand out. Their punter didn't practice with a hip injury, which could be an issue, but for the most part, the Cardinals are healthy. But again, I think that that we're getting to the point where Cliff Kingsbury is going to have to counter what defenses are doing now that they have seen what his offense is. All that running out of shotgun or no running at all, it makes your team one-dimensional. It makes things predictable. And I think the Seahawks, Chris, are going to be extra salty after losing at home last week, gaining 500-plus yards and still losing the game to the Saints. They're only five-point favorites or something in that neighborhood. I think the Seahawks win this one easily. Now, they were one of my bets of the week last week, and it blew up in my face. But I'm not giving up on the Seahawks. I think they get right with this game, and I think the Cardinals get a little bit more exposed as a team that really is a cut below the good teams in the NFC. Yeah, I I, uh, I tend to think uh, the same way here, Mike. I'm not going to make this long. I mean, yes, you're right about the Cardinals' offense, and I question whether what else Cliff Kingsbury has to offer. I do. I mean, again, this goes back to what I've said all along. He hasn't been around too many different offenses or people or ideas, so he only knows what he knows, and that's shotgun and dink and dunk what we've seen. Really, their big plays have become 
not through the system, but Kyler Murray's just phenomenal ability to put pinpoint passes down the field against tight man-to-man coverage. That's really where their big plays have come in the pass offense. Very little of it has been like, oh, wow, they really game plan that. That was a great play design, and that, that was a great job. I haven't seen much of that. I worry about that, and I'm with you with what you say about the Seahawks are going to be pissed with the way they played last week and how they messed that game up. They're going to be pissed because they know they're in the NFC West. And the Lions, I mean, and the the uh, Rams and 49ers are real, so they got to keep pace there. So they're they're going to be a very motivated football team. I'm with you, Mike. I'm going Seahawks 31, Cardinals 17. I, I just think the Seahawks will dominate this from get go. Yeah, my score is 34-17 Seahawks over Cardinals, and I feel even better about it this week because of what happened last week yeah. for both teams, right. which of course means it's all going to get flipped around and the, and the Seahawks are going to lose by 15, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. I'd be stunned if that's the outcome this week. I think the Seahawks win this one easily. Yep, okay. All right, now we got Buccaneers-Rams in Los Angeles, 4 p.m. game. Bucks coming off that tough loss last week where they should have won it. Rams favored by nine uh, coming off that Sunday night football game against the Browns over under at 49 and a half Mike injuries injuries Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver Chris Godwin did not practice with a hip on Wednesday keep an eye on him Brashad Perryman quadricep limited in practice Vita Via groin injury did not practice and Devin White their top 10 draft pick he did not practice with a knee injury and for the Rams only three names Akeem Tlaib got the day off for veteran rest Tyler Higby limited with a chest and Austin Blythe offensive lineman limited with an ankle so yeah. the Rams very healthy right now and every week I keep expecting Todd Gurley to pop up he has not popped up yet but Chris let me let me ask you this yeah. there was uh, some comments yesterday from Sean McVay about Todd Gurley's use and he's averaging 14.6 carries per game McVay wants to get it to 25 and it's funny they asked him a bunch of questions about load management and Gurley's incorporation of the offense and it's like everybody dances around asking about the knee like how's the knee doing you know and I, I think it's because the team got so salty about all those questions that the reporters are afraid to ask now but that's really what I want to know how is his knee holding up after three games yeah and are you limiting his use because of the knee and they're tiptoeing around that topic and I think that's what we need to know about Todd I, I think we do need to know and Mike I made comments about this on my podcast yesterday where I do my deep dive into my notes I watch the Rams on film every week they can talk all they want there is something wrong with Todd Gurley not that he is like bad he's still a really good running back but the days of like Todd Gurley the superstar I I think they might be over I do you know Mike and you've said it all along and you've been all over it but I I don't this is what I've seen on film like I said they're still good there there's no doubt about it I don't see the explosive burst that I used to see I do see a guy that's careful of cutting off of his left leg. When he's running left and he wants to plant his left leg in the ground and then cut right, he kind of cuts with both legs. He doesn't just jam his left leg into the ground as compared to the opposite side. When he's running right, he will jam his right leg into the ground and cut back to go to the left, and he will use fully that right leg. There are issues there, and when he goes between the tackles, I feel like he's very careful of people taking shots on his legs. So I don't think we're going to ever see the Todd Gurley that we saw last year, early in the year, and the years before that. Um, So interesting enough, hey, the Rams are one of the best teams in football. We know that, right? I mean, the Bucs, I'll say this. I do think their style of play on the defense or offensive side of the ball 
you know, they're they're pretty good at pass protecting. Arians is great at calling up design shots and aggressive plays in the pass game down the field. And the Rams play a lot of zone coverage. So, I, I mean, of course, we know Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler are amazing. They can ruin a game. I think they'll have a harder time ruining the game a little bit against this Bucks team than normal. Uh, but nonetheless, the Rams are a phenomenal three-phase football team. They're patient with the run. Their play-action pass game, phenomenal. You know, last week, the the Bucks, who did a pretty decent job at times on defense, still got burned by a lot of big pass plays. I just go Rams in this one, 27-20. So I got the Bucks covering, uh, but I think the Rams clearly win the game. Did you go 27-20? 27-20. I got the same score. Yeah. I got the same score because I, I was tempted. I was tempted to give the Bucks the win. And I thought about it. And I thought about it, and then I went look. I went back and looked to see how the Cardinals under Bruce Arians did against Sean McVay's Rams the first year that McVay was there. Right. The Rams swept the Cardinals that year, yeah. and I know that that's not all that relevant because it's two different teams altogether. Yeah. But that for me was the thing that said, "No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play around with the possibility of the Buccaneers beating the Rams in L.A. I won't be stunned if it happens, but I'm gonna go." Rams 27, Bucks 20, just like you. Bucks cover, Rams win. Okay, cool. I, I don't, that will not be one of my bets of the week. I'll say that, though. It does scare me a little bit. I could see it going either way. I could see the Buccaneers making it a little closer. I could see maybe Jameis Winston throwing an interception late and they lose by 34 22. So that's where I don't trust that one. Um, Jaguars at Broncos. Defense, defense, defense in this football game. No offense will be there. This will not be fun to watch. Broncos at home, favored by three and a half, over under 39. What say you, Florio? Well, let me look at the injuries here. The Broncos have a lot of guys. The ones that stand out, Emmanuel Sanders limited in practice with a quad injury. Royce Freeman running back, shoulder injury was limited. And uh, the rest of them, you can check out the injury report. I mean, they have several guys, but uh, those are the big ones. Also, for the Jaguars, a lot of guys getting some rest yesterday. Jalen Ramsey did not practice with the back injury, the much-disputed back injury. And then he left the team for the birth of his second child with an open-ended pass the statement the team issued basically said he'll return when he's ready we'll see how long that is so that's kind of a concerning situation from a standpoint of team chemistry and distractions and they handled it well last week on a short week when Jalen Ramsey wanted out and it felt like he was going to be traded the day after the win over the Titans since then the Jaguars decided to slam the brakes on it and it's gotten a little clunky it's gotten a little awkward and I don't know how much that's going to affect the Jaguars other injured guys Chris Conley receiver limited with a knee injury Miles Jack fully participated in practice despite a concussion. He got knocked out on the field last week against Tennessee. So those are the big ones to keep an eye on. And and Chris, I you know, Denver's not going to go 0-16. Yeah. Now, they may not go 8-8, eight and eight, and they probably won't have a winning record. It'll probably be three straight losing seasons for the first time since 1970 through 1972. But I just feel like this is a game the Broncos win. I, I still have concerns about disarray in the Jaguars organization as a result of Jalen Ramsey. I don't think he's going to play Sunday. I don't think he's going to be back Sunday. I don't either. And I think it I, don't ha- I think it. it has become a distraction, and uh, I think it is going to affect the Jaguars at altitude. Broncos, you know, they they should have beaten the Bears. They got screwed by the officials. I thought they played better than the score indicated against the Packers. And, uh, you know, yeah. week one against the Raiders, who the hell knows? But I think I just feel like it's time for the Broncos to get a win because, really, there aren't a lot of clear opportunities to get wins, or you do have to start worrying about 2-14, and 1-15, 0-16. Oh yeah, uh, they do. And their offense stinks. 
Uh, but you're right. Last week was closer than the score indicated. I mean, their offense put their defense in some tough spots and just gave the the Packers some easy touchdowns and easy points that way. Uh, I, I do think this is a total defensive struggle. You know, the fact that it's in Denver, Denver is still a tough place to play. You said it. That Broncos defense has still played well this year. They're tough. I don't care what it, you know, what the record is, whatever it is. It's still one of the better units in all of football. Now, I do think the Jaguars defense is going to give that Broncos offense all they can handle, too. Uh, not having Jalen Ramsey does sway me maybe another two or three points for the Broncos that way. And I'm definitely not like buying the Gardner Minshew hype yet. I've been a big fan of just saying, hey, I think they can manage with this guy and maybe win some games through their defense. And if he just doesn't mess it up and do all that, you know, I was saying that predicated on the fact of Jalen Ramsey being there. He gives their team a lot of flexibility, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But I'm with you, Mike. I'm going Broncos 17-13 and a total defensive struggle. Uh, but I think they find a way to win this football game and win their first game of the year. I got 23-20 Broncos. And, and, and just to illustrate the point that I made earlier as it relates to the level of desperation to get any of wins, any of the wins on your schedule that you can. It's at the Chargers next week. The Titans at home, which will not be an easy game, despite the, because the Titans play up and down to the level of the competition. Then the Chiefs come to town. Then it's at the Colts. Then it's the Browns. Then it's at Minnesota. Then it's at Buffalo. The Chargers again at the Texans, at the Chiefs. The Lions come to town. And then week 17 against the Raiders. And by then... <laughs> It, it, it'll be long since over for the Broncos. So they got to get the wins where they can. And I feel like this is going to be one of the rare wins. I think 3-13, and 4-12 and 12 may be very real for the Broncos, especially when we consider that schedule, Chris. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I would be scared too. I really would be because the offense is certainly not dangerous and there's just only so much the defense can do on a weekly basis. You can't expect them. When do we see Drew Locke? Ooh, I mean, I guess I would imagine he's just about getting healthy, right, from that pretty bad, you know, thumb injury or whatever that is. But I, I think there's a good chance week eight, week nine, somewhere in that range right there, we'll start to see, hear and see the Drew Locke uh, thing kind of come come to fruition there. Um, all right, you good with that game? Anything else you want to say? I think we're good on that when we're both on the same boat, though. We like the Broncos to win, although I'm not real confident about it. Yeah, it's scary. I mean, it's 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 a, they're a bad team, and it's it's hard to always bet on a bad team. Okay, now we got the Mike Florio Bowl. Okay, here we go. Minnesota Vikings. Vikings going to Chicago. Bears favored by two and a half. Mike Florio's Vikings looking good. Bears defense looks good. Offense Eh, okay. Bears favored by two and a half, like I said, over under at 38. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Hit off the injuries. Well, and the Bears have a few injuries coming out of the Monday night win over Washington. Akeem Hicks had a knee injury in the second half. That's something of concern. Yes, he is. did not practice on Wednesday. Taylor Gabriel, he had three touchdowns, and then he got smushed by a Washington defender, and he has a concussion. He did not practice. And Eddie Pinheiro. No more dinero coming for him if he can't get healthy. That knee kept him from practicing on Wednesday. He was clearly bothered by it on Monday night, although yep. it didn't seem to affect his kicks the way it could have. Didn't practice Wednesday, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. For the Vikings, no major injuries to worry about. Anthony Barr did not play last week in the win over the Raiders. He was limited in practice with a groin injury. The rest of the team, at least the key players, largely healthy. And now it all comes down to this. Do you like it at Kirk Cousins or do you like it at Mitchell Trubisky? I like it at Kirk Cousins this week, whoa, Chris. Whoa. I, listen, at some point, if the Vikings are going to be a serious contender, 
They've got to win some of these road games, yeah. especially this year when they play at Dallas, at Kansas City, at Detroit, at the Chargers. They have to win one of these or more, and this is their opportunity. The Bears' offense has not looked good, and the Vikings' defense has been very good, and I think that the Vikings can run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, limited use of Kirk Cousins, maximum use of Dalvin Cook, and even though the Bears haven't given up a 100-yard rusher since 2017. They haven't faced a guy like Dalvin Cook. If I don't think they ever faced him. No. Uh, maybe last year they saw him a little bit, but he was banged up last year. He was injured by week four in 2017. They've never seen this version of Dalvin no, Cook. No, they have not. This guy is better than any Dalvin Cook we've seen, and he's up in that top shelf now with Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey as the best running backs in the league. So uh, I, I, I like the Vikings to win this one straight up 20-14. to 14 over the Chicago Bears. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think this is going to be a defensive struggle, certainly. I mean, I don't really have any faith in the Bears' offense. The Bears did not make me feel any better about what they did uh, against the Washington Redskins the other day. Of course, the defense set up some really great opportunities for them. You know, they found a way to get a few short completions and get Trubisky in a rhythm that way. I don't think they'll be there to be had this week against the Minnesota Vikings defense, which is still a really good defense. Um I, I, I basically, I mean, I think you're right. I feel more comfortable about just the Vikings offense and Kirk Cousins than I do Mitchell Trubisky right now. I do. And as much as I think of that Bears defense, the fact that Akeem Hicks probably won't be 100% if he plays at all, that does scare me. He's a difference maker. He's one of the best interior D linemen in all of football. I mean, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. And that will be tough against a Vikings team, like you said, with an amazing running back and a run game that it's good. This is a really good run-blocking O-line. Their scheme is pretty diverse, Mike. They do a bunch of different stuff in the run game, so you can't just peg it to like zone, inside zone, outside zone. They'll do other things off of it. So I, I just like you, I think this is a defensive struggle all the way, but I'm going to take the Vikings to kick a game-winning late field goal, 19-17 to Vikings, and they pull off the win straight up on the road. Okay, so good. I won't be heckled by you all day long because you didn't take Mitchell Trubisky. No, but if they do lay an egg, you're going to get heckled by me because I'm just because yeah, the Vikings are your team, and I'm going to just rag on you a little bit. I really, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've been in this business 20 years now. I really do not care like I used to. I used to be ridiculous. I yeah. used to be if they would lose, I would go into a 48-hour media blackout where I would read nothing, I would watch nothing. I did not want to be reminded, I did not want to see the highlights. I averted my eyes anytime that there would be like a newspaper open and there'd be an article about the game. I wanted nothing to do with it for 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 48 hours. It was 2 days every time they lost. Yeah. That's how bad I was. Yeah, I can understand that. You still pay attention and care a lot though. I'm there with you on Sunday. I you, care a little. Yeah. I care a little. But Whatever, I whatever. do some of it for your amusement. All right. All right. Sunday night football. We got a dandy on NBC. I mean, it's going to be amazing. It'd be a little more amazing if Drew Brees was playing, but Cowboys at Saints. Cowboys favored by two and a half. Cowboys looking like one of the best teams in football. And Mike, you have to promote something first. I do have to promote something first. Yes. Uh, that's news to me. Wait a minute. Here it is. Oh, I sh I sh you know what? I should have done it earlier. That, oh no! Wait, it's right here. Oh, no, it's right. You have a read. No, you've got to read before I have a read. Oh, we're professionals here. Damn, I'm. Uh, this is me and being a host. Here we go. Okay, here we go. This is how it's done. Okay, this is how we make the donuts. All right, tied. 
You know Tide, right? Right? Tide made this look clean. I look good out here because of Tide, okay? Uh, you look okay. I don't know if you use Tide or not. But Tide, it's the beginning of the season, and Tide is making sure no one misses football on Sundays. Starring Peyton Manning, this new campaign pits NBC's biggest stars and lineup of fan-favorite shows against one another in the ultimate battle, debating which night of the week is best to do laundry. I don't like to do laundry any night of the week, okay? But if I was going to pick it, it would be Tuesday and Wednesday. All month long, throughout NBC programming, check out why Manning and the league officially declare a new meaning for the NFL. It now stands for not for laundry, okay? You like that? Not for laundry, but Tide. There we go, Mike. Tide Reed. Um, and I hope you're using that to clean your, your clothes. Do you wash clothes? No, of course not. I wash clothes. Good for you. I wash my clothes. I wash my own clothes. I keep a hamper. I keep them on because I, I work out every day. Yeah. So I usually have a pile of like really nasty, sweaty stuff that I'll wash once a week when it when the smell like overcomes me. Uh, but yes, Tide gets the uh, the stink out of the clothes. It gets the stink out. Probably not the best jingle for Tide, but nevertheless, Tide. And I I mean Tide. I remember the box of Tide. like it's in fancy packaging now. When I was a kid, my mom always had that big orange box of Tide that, like, there, there was a, a, a there was a way that the the top opened that it was like a you pulled up a piece of of cord and it opened up right. and you just flipped it open and the detergent was right there and you'd scoop it out and put it in and now it's much more sophisticated in how you actually use the Tide. They got the Tide pods, they got the liquid, but I yep. always remember that big orange box of Tide and I always thought that design was neat and they still have it forty years later. Yeah, okay, yeah, I mean Tide anyway. is like yes, it's uh, it was a part of my grow my youth as well. All right, get to your Sunday night seven. Let's go. All right, Sunday Night 7. Make sure to play the all-new Sunday Night 7 on NBC Sports Predictor. We got graphics for mine, Chris. Make seven simple predictions. $100,000 is up for grabs each and every contest. And here is a sampling of this week. Chris, I want to know what you think here. Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback. Will he have under 250 passing yards? Will he be in the 250 to 299 window? 300 to 349 or 350 plus? What do you got? I'm going to go 250 to 299. I mean, the Cowboys are balanced, uh, so we know they're going to continue to run the football. And the Saints, they play a lot of man-to-man, so there'll be opportunities for him to hit some big throws down the field. I don't think he goes for over 300 because of the balance, but I think it's somewhere between 250 and 299. Now, here's the thing, though. Last week, the Saints, even though they beat the Seahawks, they gave up over 500 yards. I know. Which is kind of concerning. And and I think maybe against the Cowboys, do you think they try to slow it down? Do you think they try to shorten the game and give the Cowboys fewer possessions and just maybe make it more of a chess match that way? They, I think there's a very good uh, chance that does happen. Um, you know, I mean, it's an interesting matchup. And, uh, I mean... They're gonna. I don't know what their formula is, is. What I basically want to say with the Saints, the Saints never had to really get into their offensive game plan last week because of the way the game unfolded. The fact that they returned the punt and picked up a fumble and returned it for a touchdown. You know, they really only had one real like legit drive of the day. Uh, so I never got to see exactly how they wanted to use Teddy Bridgewater because they didn't have to show what they really wanted to do. But I would think that have to be a little bit of a concern or. Maybe just find different ways to play pass defense. Stop playing so much man-to-man to where you give guys like Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, who are great great downfield throwers, chances to hit guys like that. I just think that's one of my issues with the Saints' uh, defense altogether. 
Dak had 405 passing yards week one against the Giants, 269 week two against Washington, 246 last week against Miami. I'll go with you in that 250 to 299 window against the Saints. I think Dak is good enough to do it, but I also think that the Saints are going to maybe try to shorten the game and reduce the possessions. All right, one more on this. Ezekiel Elliott or Alvin Kamara, who has more rushing yards? Uh, I'm going to go with Ezekiel Elliott. I am. Uh, I just, you know, I, I think more of Alvin Kamara's total yard yardage output will be him coming out of the backfield and Sean Payton designing a lot of short passes in the passing game for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I have a hard time thinking they're going to run for a whole lot of yards on the Saints, I mean on this Cowboys defense. Now the Saints D-line is real too. I don't think it'll be easy to run the ball on them, uh, but I, I just think with the Cowboys, that offensive line, the passing game being as dangerous as it is now, and their offensive running game, very diverse like your Minnesota Vikings, I think they'll be able to make some plays in the run game. Now, let me mention some of the injuries before we get back yeah. to, because we're already up to that game anyway, right. uh, Saints and Cowboys. Drew Brees, obviously, he's out for several more weeks after having thumb surgery. No other big injuries of note for the Saints. For the Cowboys, Michael Gallup, receiver, didn't practice Wednesday with a knee injury. Amari Cooper had an MRI yesterday on his ankle. He was limited in practice, so that's one to keep an eye on. Zach Martin, back injury, limited yesterday. So those are just the big names to keep in mind as the week continues to unfold, Chris. And we've begun to talk about this game. I Look, I know last year after the Cowboys manhandled the Saints and and essentially slammed the door shut on what was an incredible run of offensive performance by the Saints. And you could argue that's when kind of the Saints were exposed and they were kind of struggling after that. Maybe they got banged up physically. The Saints really wanted to play the Cowboys again in the playoffs. And to the extent that there's carryover on the roster, I think those guys are really looking forward to this game. But I say be careful what you wish for because I just see the Cowboys as a better team. They are on that elite level with the Rams, with the Chiefs, with the Patriots. And, and uh, I've got 31-21 Cowboys over the Saints. The defense was not good last week for the Saints, and I don't think Teddy Bridgewater and company are going to be able to do enough to overcome the Cowboys' offense. Uh, prime time, big game for Dak Prescott, trying to get paid. And uh, I may th- I, I just, you know, I, the Sean Payton factor gives me some pause, but I just think the Cowboys are too good on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I hear you there. I, I lean very similar to you there, okay? I'm picking, taking the Cowboys 27-21. If I just had to break it down real quick, you know, the Cowboys offense, it's just a different offense than any time we've seen here in recent history. It's its really one of the best offenses in football through three weeks. I've been extremely impressed. It's not about yards and numbers. It's about the creative, like, personnel sets, formations, movements. They're doing everything. We have not seen a Cowboys offense like this in a long, long time. So they're special that way. And then on the other side of the ball, I always worry about Sean Payton. I'm there with you too. And the Cowboys, they'll give you a few opportunities because they'll be a little aggressive every now and then and play man-to-man and let you throw a one-on-one ball down the sidelines against a Byron Jones or Shadobia Wuze, who are usually there in great coverage. But, of course, we know a great throw can beat a great coverage. Um, But the other thing I like about the Cowboys, the Cowboys don't have to blitz. They can always just rush front four. Okay, They really don't have to rely on that to get pressure. Robert Quinn being back for the team, just it takes maybe one of the fastest defenses in football and just makes them that much faster. And then they have the linebackers, uh, uh, as far as Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch and Sean Lee, to make that short passing game to Alvin Kamara, you know, tough at least. And Rod Marinelli, who was in Tampa with me, John Gruden, 
John Gruden's offense, very similar to Sean Payton, except Sean Payton's just better. But I think Rod Marinelli has a good feel for that offense, and that's why they slowed him down a little bit last year. I'm going Cowboys 27-21. But I do think the Saints will will put up a spirited effort. And, of course, them being home and being motivated by last year, I think, makes this game, you know, fun to watch. Um, well, I, I agree with you. It should be a great game. It would be better if, uh, if indeed Drew Brees was available, but, uh, maybe a little bit of a, of a postseason preview because the saints at two and one, and if they can hold on until Brees comes back, yeah. then I think they could be in the mix for the division title because it seems like no one wants to step up and grab the NFC South crown, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I still think the saints are dangerous. Uh, they still have a lot of things, the DNA structures you'd like for a really quality football team. It's still a good offensive line, still a good defensive line, have a few difference makers on the offensive side of the ball, as we know, creative coaching. Uh, and, yeah, I look at them and still go, as long as they can be in the conversation for December, I have faith that they'll win the games necessary and be a handful for whoever it is if they get into the playoffs. Um, all right, speaking of handfuls, let's talk about two teams who are not a handful. The Bengals and Steelers on Monday Night Football. Uh, Bengals at the Steelers. Steelers favored by three and a half. Um, Mason Rudolph off his first start last week was okay at best. Had two touchdown passes. I get that, but I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, I was amazed by them. Just about every quarterback in football would have thrown two touchdown passes in that game. Over under at 43 and a half. Steelers playing at home. Uh, Lead us off, Mike. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the great rivalries in football that has completely fallen apart because the teams are winless and they feel listless. And, you know, the Steelers are are making trades and they're, they're, they're in denial about the fact that they're not any good. And I think that contributes to the overall mindset of the team. I don't think they can process being a bad team. They're so not used to being a bad team. They don't know how to go from being a bad team to being a team that can find a way to win a game. And the thinking is going to be the Steelers will win this game. But I, look, I've been around Pittsburgh enough in my life that I have a pretty good sense of what this Steelers team is all about. And right now, they are bad. And they are not bad very often. And that's good for Steelers fans. But you know, I, I, I don't see them winning this game. I really don't. I, they don't have the running game. They're going to try to commit to the run. Well, if you can't run, right. it's, you're never going to sustain drives. You can't just say, hey, we're going to run the ball 25 times. If you're not gaining enough yards to move the sticks, you ain't going to be able to run the ball 25 times. So I think the Steelers need to accept. They need to work through the five stages of grief. They're at denial. Anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And maybe the bargaining reflects the trades they've been making. But at some point, they're going to accept the fact that this is a lost season. And the fans are going to accept it. And the fans are going to be pissed because they're spoiled by the fact that the Steelers have contending teams far more often than not. Bottom line is, the Bengals had the Seahawks number. They had the Bills number. I mean, they've been competitive in two of their three games against good teams. The Steelers really haven't been. The Steelers haven't impressed me. They needed those five turnovers from the 49ers to just keep it close. And I don't think they can count on that against the Bengals. I think Cincinnati will relish the opportunity to go into Pittsburgh and deliver a a defeat to a team that is going to fall to 0-4, and who knows where the bottom is, Chris. So give me the Bengals straight up in this one. Okay. Any other injuries you want to hit on there that were worthwhile to talk about? Well, there's no injury reports yet. Oh, you're because right. Because they play Monday later. night. You're right. I forgot all so, about that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, cool. All right, I, Mike, I see it very similar to you. I, I really do. First off, I'm with you. The Steelers, it's just, it's not good on either side of the ball. There's no, there's just nothing. It's, it's, um, I think it's over for the Steelers. I mean, I think they got to kind of blow it up. 
I really do. I, I look at it and go, the lifeline of this team has passed. It's time for a new team and, and a whole lot of new faces there. Uh, the offensive line, yes, has not been good in the run. They're not dedicated to it. Mike Munchak's not there. I have no faith in them getting it going. The running backs aren't all that talented. Mason Rudolph, not that talented. Receivers, not that talented other than Juju, and he's not a superstar. So, you know, unless their defense where their front seven has some special players there, if they can make a, a muck of the game and cause some turnovers – Okay, maybe I give them a chance, but I do think I'm with you, Mike. The Bengals are the better football team. They are through and through, and I'm taking the Bengals to win this game on the road 20-17. to 17. I'm with you there all the way. I just am not picking the Steelers to win anything until I see it. I got to see it to believe it, and I haven't liked really anything about their team. Hey, Minka Fitzpatrick was great. It looked cool last week, all of that, but there's just too many other issues across the board. Yeah, I got 23-17, and I really do think this is a, a genuine dynamic for an organization that is just not accustomed to being bad. They are wrestling with that that reality, and they're going to regret giving up a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick because that's going to be the pick that they could have used to draft their next quarterback, and they're going to wish they had that top-ten pick, which it looks like they're going to earn this year, and the Dolphins are going to have two top-ten picks thanks to their own struggles and thanks to the Steelers' struggles. What, what about – who do you got in this one, all right? Uh, Jets are playing the bye. Who do you think wins that one? <laughs> yeah, I'll take the bye. You'll take the bye. Uh, something they somehow will, win. Something will happen this weekend to make it feel like a loss for the Jets. Maybe the Giants thumping Washington in MetLife Stadium and giving that team real hope at the quarterback position will be the thing that essentially is a loss for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, right. Seriously. All right, here we go. We got the best bets of the week coming up. Um, Michael, since you're older and not as handsome as me, I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Tell me your bets of the week. Or in other words, you have no idea what your best bets are going to be, I so do. you want to hear mine first. No, I gotta, are we going to ping pong, or you want to hear all mine? I, I, I think I want to hear all yours. I do. I yeah, because you have no idea what you're going to do. I have five games starred that I know that I want to bet on. I don't know which three I want to pick. I'm kind of filtering them out in my brain as we go right now. But so go you want to hear mine before you figure out yours. Right. That, my friend, is bullshit. Okay, all right, fine. We'll ping pong them then. Does that make you all feel right, better? All right, let's ping pong. All right, go yes, ahead. You're the does. first ping. I'm pong. Go ahead. Go ahead. All ping. right, I got the Giants. I got the Giants. They're giving, what, two, three points? The Giants, it's it's Danny Deuce time, baby. He's going to drop a deuce all over Washington. They're going to be stirring Gatorade with a plunger by the time Danny Deuce is done with them. I like the Giants. That's one of my best bets. Oh, my gosh. You're fucking insane. I don't even know what to say there. I cannot believe it. He's going to drop a deuce on you for picking them <laughs> in a game like that. Okay. My first bet of the week that I like, this one, there's no doubt about it, the Colts. I'm going with the Colts over the Raiders, even though it's a seven-point spread. That 1 p.m. East Coast game, I think the Colts with their offensive line, their D-line versus that Raiders offensive line that's a little banged up really scares me. I think the Colts dominate the Raiders and win that game by more than seven points. Yeah, you know what? That probably should have been one of mine. But I've already locked mine in, and I'm not going to let myself be influenced because I've heard yours. I like the Cowboys on Sunday night against the Saints, although I know the Saints have that strong desire to, to get a little measure of revenge for what the Cowboys did to them last year. I think the Cowboys are too good on both sides of the ball. We're giving the Saints too much credit for beating the Seahawks in a fluke setting. Look, there's a reason Drew Brees is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Teddy Bridgewater played well last week. 
week, but it wasn't spectacular. 265 yards of offense to more than 500 gained by the Seahawks. I still don't know how the hell they lost that yeah, game. Right. So I like the Cowboys to cover in this one. That's one of my best bets. Book it. Yep. I, I, I'm not mad at you that one. I don't have the guts to make that a best bet, but I don't think that's crazy. I, I, it's better than your Giants one. I'll tell you that much. Okay. All right. My bet, next best bet of the week, I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks, who are favored by five at the Arizona Cardinals, but I have no faith in the Arizona offense. I have no faith in their run game. When you become one-dimensional against the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, that always scares me. I think the Seahawks will be pissed off with the fact the way they lost. You just mentioned to the Saints last week. Um, I don't have a ton of faith or anything special about that Cardinals defense either. The Saints very balanced. I mean, the, uh, the Seahawks very balanced balanced okay on the offensive side of the ball the Arizona Cardinals will play man-to-man that'll play right in the hands of Russell Wilson and him being able to make big plays down the field so I like the raid uh the Seahawks sorry I can't see it say this damn game right Seahawks 31-17 in that game that's one of my bets of the week I think the Seahawks are going to be desperate and know they have to keep pace with the 49ers and the Rams in that tough division They have my text already, so I'm not stealing your idea. I like the Seahawks, too. I think last week was an aberration. They're going to be pissed off. The Cardinals are not good enough. There's enough film out there. The defense is going to figure out how to shut down Air Kingsbury. So I think the Seahawks win this one, and they win it easily, Chris. So I agree with you. Okay, all right. Now, this is where I'm not sure where I want to go here, okay? You got my two. My third one, I'm like a little between the Bills, the Chiefs, and even the Houston Texans. Uh, who are at home against Kyle Allen and everybody. I'm very conflicted with what I want to do there. But ultimately, I think with Darius Slay not being 100%, and I don't trust the Lions' pass offense yet, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I don't think the Lions are made to play this type of football game. little scared with this one. But it's the least one I'm scared of out of all the other ones I've mentioned. I just think the Chiefs' defense has turned the corner. I think it's a solid unit. You're not going to just be able to just march up and down the field on them anymore. Uh, And the Chiefs' offense, of course, we know is special. And I just don't know if there's enough special on the Lions' defensive side of the ball to slow it down, even though I think a lot of Matt Patricia. So I'm going the Chiefs to cover that 6.5-point spread because I think they're going to win 31-21. And there's our best bets of the week. Those are the ones I feel most most comfortable about hope everybody enjoyed the pod mike you the man subscribe rate review everybody out there pftpm podcast chris sims unbuttoned check us out but it's always fun doing the picks podcast with you mike hope you're doing good man hey safe travels to south bend we'll see you sunday and uh yeah uh i'm I, i'm already reconsidering my picks but uh too late now the hands off the checker yeah that's right i hope i dominate your ass once again and uh we'll see what happens all right everybody peace out have a good weekend have fun and uh flory and i will check you out on monday morning on pro that's for you not the audience yep fuck you too see you later What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.